Hey church, good to have you with us this Sunday. I'm excited about the message series that we're in, Catching the Wind. Today we're going to be talking about that we are not alone, that God is with us. Last week we had an introduction to Pentecost season, right? This is the Eastertide season and the deeper meaning, it has a deeper meaning in the church. It's been with us for generations. It's a great time to celebrate the spring season, the resurrected Christ. So we talked about Peter and Peter denied Christ three times, but yet 50 days later, Peter would preach a dynamic message where 3,000 souls would be added in one day. Now that's an incredible empowerment. That tells me that something was going on with Peter, that Peter was being ministered to, that the Holy Spirit had empowered him for the task at hand. And so today we're going to talk about how God is with us through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So if we're not careful, you know, we can reduce things down in the church and we have kind of for years to Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? But the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we talk about this, we also need to recognize that there's another Trinity over there. It's the unholy Trinity. And the unholy Trinity is me, myself, and I, right? And sometimes we're serving the unholy one instead of the holy one. And let me just say this. This is the thing. In order to move from the unholy Trinity over to the holy Trinity, we must surrender or yield to the Spirit of God. It's very important for us. I spoke about the importance of yielding last week. Remember, Peter walked on water where? He was with Jesus. Jairus, his daughter, was healed where? With Jesus. The storm was calmed with Jesus. God with us, right? And now we've entered into the age of the Spirit after the resurrected Christ, the ascension of Christ. We are now in this place of the age of the Spirit, that He has moved from with to within. But that also means that though he's within us, that we can see his work out here with us. He desires us to come along for the works at hand, for the empowerment at hand. And so it's an exciting time for our church. It's an exciting time uh, going through this COVID-19. It's an exciting time that uh, God will empower us to see the things and to know that, that to see the things as he sees them, to, to, to look through the right lens and to be empowered by him for this season. You see, when we talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we know that he's born of the Virgin Mary, baptized at the age of 30. Uh, only for three years did he do ministry, right? Was crucified, dead, buried, and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So here we are in John's gospel, we are told by John that this is to our advantage, of course, for our salvation, but also so that one would come. And that one is the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by him. So the Holy Spirit wants us to know that he is in us and he is with us. We are not alone. We are never alone. So last week when we learned about the age of the Spirit, along with the importance of yielding to the Spirit, we must first see that God is what? That He is Spirit. John 4, 24. Now we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, but let me just pull a little truth out of this. John 4, 24, God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Years ago when I was a young man uh, and I was in the service, There was a man in our barracks who was always coming to me and saying, hey, I want you to go to church with me. Would you go to church with me? Would you you please come this Sunday? And I always made excuses why I couldn't go to church 
with him. And finally, one Friday night, he showed up there in the barracks and he said, hey, Curtis, I want you to go to church with us. We're having a revival. It's going to be a great time. We have a guest speaker that's going to be there. Uh, just come. And I, I, and I finally ran out of excuses. So I went with him. Now, this church was different than any I'd ever been to before. I mean, the organ was playing while the man was preaching. There was singing, there was crying, there was yelling, there was shouting. The preacher was a pot-bellied, middle-aged white man in a white suit. And he loved to just dance across the stage, you know, this way and then this way. And I was just, I was perplexed, right? <laughs> kind of like last week's message. And I watched and, and as, as it went on, he preached on the Holy Spirit. And there were about a hundred of us there, probably, I'm guessing. And he had us lying around the walls. And then he was going to do some type of impartation where he would go along and lay his hands on each one. And he didn't make it to me simply because there was a man and his wife who were against the wall. And when this pot-bellied preacher got got near him, now, now pot-bellied preachers, I'm not after you. Look at me, right? I've kind of become who I'm preaching about. I don't know. But he, when he got to this man's wife, this man said, you're not putting your hands on my wife. And it got real interesting. And so as he tried, the woman dodged him. And then he tried to put his hands on her again and she dodged him. And then this other, this husband jumped between the two and then they started arguing. They started shouting and it almost broke out into a fight. Now that was an incredible night at church for me. I'd never seen a church like this, right? Then there was more praise and worship and a group led me to the altar and said, hey, you need to kneel down here and receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not really for sure if I would have been more comfortable going to war than I where, than where I was at that particular moment. I was sweating. I was trapped. I didn't know what they wanted from me. They wouldn't let me up. Then I listened to them pray, and I noticed that they were praying right in tongues and that they were waiting for me to pray in tongues. So I prayed, Lord, would you give me this gift of tongue? Would you, you know, and I went on and on and it never came. And so as I, as I stayed there for what seemed like an hour and it was probably 10, 15 minutes and I prayed, I finally came up with a few words in Spanish. They all jumped up and down like the Red Sea parting as they were yelling and cheering and chanting. I could see the back door and I took off running and I ran straight out the back door never to return to that particular church again. Now, I will tell you, I'm not proud of myself. I'm not proud of that church. That church, a couple of months later, this man would be heartbroken because it actually split and dissolved. You know, if I could sit down with the young me today, the old me, and sit down with the young me, me, there's a lot of things that I would tell him. But I would talk to him about this experience, that God is not a God of disorder, but a God of order, that the Spirit gives gifts as He determines, not as we determine, not as man determines, that God is a God who is with us. God is a God who picks us up, Proverbs tells us, though a righteous man falls seven times, what does he do? He gets back up, and our God helps us to get back up. Oh, if I could sit with a young me, I would have so many things to talk about, even talking about the Spirit, that our God is a God of reconciliation and unity, not one of division and of fighting. I think back to that day, and I hate that it gave me a bad view of a Spirit-filled and Spirit-led lifestyle. You see, experience outside of proper theology is oftentimes left to just an experience. 
It's dangerous. And this is why we need the truth of God behind it, actually even before it. Let me give you some truths this morning, church. When we say we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we actually mean we have a personal relationship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit. None of us have physically sat down in the presence of, of Jesus. I mean, you, you've not had Jesus in the flesh across the table from you or offering you the cup and the bread. He does that within us and with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of His promise not to leave us as orphans. I love this because we have the opportunity, whether you had a good father or a bad father, we have the opportunity to have a perfect father and not be left as orphans, but children of the living God. And the Spirit affirms that He is with us as our heavenly Father. See, God with us, that very term, that very claim that God is here and is everywhere, all the time, it can create a tension within us. There's no doubt. You mean He's here? Well, I can't see Him. Why don't you show Him to me? Oh, you're one of those who believe in the unseen God. Where was God when my loved ones died? Where was God last week when I lost my job? What about this COVID-19? Now the world has almost lost 200,000 lives. Show me where your God is. Where is God when children die of hunger, diseases continue to mangle, warlords steal children, immorality runs rampant, and the voice of hatred oftentimes is the only voice that I hear when I watch the news. I mean, if we're honest, we have all wondered or said similar things. Where are you, God, if there is a God? And that's where the Holy Spirit loves to work and bring confirmation that He is here, that God is with us. See, in the psalmist, in the psalmist in Psalm 139, Behold, O Lord, you know it all. God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows our thoughts, our questions, our attempts at our own answers. And then in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I take the wings of dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. And what the psalmist is saying is, Lord, wherever I go, there you are. You are always here. See, He's everywhere. There is no place that God is not. You may not see Him, you may not be looking, but you may be looking through the wrong lens. When we can't see God's activity in our lives, there's a couple of things. One is either we are in rejection of God in that area, in that season of our life, if you claim to be Christian. Maybe you're a nominal believer, maybe you're a non-believer. You may not see His activity then. But truly, when we yield to His Spirit, we'll begin to see God everywhere. And we have to see them through the right lens, not the wrong lens. The lens of unbelief, you'll have a difficult time ever seeing, much less experiencing God with us. Peter says it this way. We've been talking about Peter over the last couple of weeks, and he said it this way, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with inexpressible joy, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith that salvation 
of your souls. That knowing the salvation that we receive through our belief, 1 Peter 1.8. You know, a friend of mine was telling me about a conversation that he was having with a non-believer. And this, he, he just had a brilliant conversation with him. This non-believer said these words. He said, I have never seen God, therefore I don't believe in him. My friend told him, that's the problem. You think seeing is believing. I think believing is seeing. I believe that's what Peter is telling us here. And, and then when you move over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So that's a promise from, the, from his word that he is here. His, his evidence is before us. Are we looking through the right lens? See, God is transcendent, church. He exists beyond the normal or the physical level. God is also imminent. That word imminent means at hand. It, it's similar to Emmanuel, God with us. Imminent is right here. It means that he's at hand. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit allows us to have the opportunity to experience God and know that he is near. Those who have lost loved ones, we've seen some terrible tragedies um, here recently in the last two to three months. And I know with the, the church through this COVID-19, it's difficult for us to share and show the love of Christ the way that we desire, but people are finding those ways. And as, as those who have experienced the loss of loved ones, they're also experiencing God is at hand. He is here. His peace has arrived even though I don't understand what happened, even though my heart is aching and I'm walking in pain right now, I am experiencing God at hand. You see, if you're a nominal believer or a non-believer, you could be looking through the wrong lens. There's no doubt. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, we should be able to see all these attributes of God around us if we're looking through the right lens. I was, As I was putting this together, I was thinking about photosynthesis. I mean, photosynthesis, you know, the way oxygen is made through plant life, through trees. Now, look, church, we live in West Texas. There aren't many trees, but you don't worry about the air you breathe. I mean, the wind blows here like crazy. We know that the air is all around us. I think here in West Texas, we lose more dogs to bladder failure simply because they can't find a tree. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> we may not see, but we experience and we feel. And I will say this, that, that even though we can't see the air, we experience and we feel, and that's God's attributes to us, that, that he gives life. And we can see his hand at work if we look through the right lens. You see the miracle of the earth. A little closer to the sun, we do what? We, we burn up, and a little further from the sun, we freeze. This is just the miracles at hand, the way God has kept and holds everything in order for His divine plan to happen throughout the world, but most importantly, to happen to those who would earnestly seek Him and be led by Him because He is 
with us. He is our true north. Just as we said last week, there's basically three types of people that would, that would pay attention to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, right? There were some who were amazed, some who were perplexed, some who would mock. Those types of people are there. Well, today there are three types of us. There, there's the nominal, there's the not, nominal believer, there's the non-believer, and then there are the believers. If you're a nominal or non, take a look around. Who holds it all together? Don't be afraid to ask that God would change your lens. It's okay to ask the question, God, are you real? Reveal yourself to me. Because God is faithful. His desire is that none would be left as orphans. That, they, that none would, would feel as though they had no purpose in this life. They had no direction in their life. You know, knowing God and understanding that he's both within and with us is understanding that he has a plan and a purpose for us and that will for for him, for our lives in him, he created us for this purpose, that, that that gives us a drive. It turns us towards our true north where we too now have purpose. Romans 10, 8 through 13, the word is near you. In your mouth, it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are pre preaching. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I love this because Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he tells them no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see here, if you continue to read it, it is with the heart that a person believes resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. That means that as we believe in God, as we see his, his incredible traits around us, the unfolding of the earth, the unfolding of, of the world and, and what he's done before us and what we see, the very atomic structure that holds things together, that's God. And when we see this and we believe in him, this is what the scripture tells us. We will not be disappointed. So if you're a non-believer or a nominal believer, don't leave this series disappointed. God's at work. If you are a believer and you wonder if God knows your struggles, remember he is omnipresent, omniscient, transcendent, and imminent, meaning he's at hand. He's not watching you go through the trial. He's going through the trial with you because he is with us. His spirit will hold you. It will encourage you. It will strengthen your faith. You need to be fully convinced that you are not alone. Ask Jesus for specific revelation in this season of your life and in the lives of others. Ask him to navigate you and to navigate your faith. Learn to activate your faith through speaking, praying, fasting, and submitting to the Spirit. Remember, He's at hand. He knows your thoughts. I can't believe, you know, it's been almost 15 years ago now that uh, I was in a closed country, 99.9% .9 Islam. I was hanging out in a Kasbah, and we were getting ready with a team of five others to to go into a tribe of about 2,500 people. 
And the worker there told us to take a sap phone, his sap phone, and to call. And if you had anybody that would pray for you, get them praying for you at this time, because where we were going, they had never seen uh, Christians, much, much less Americans. And as we prepared to go into this tribe, I remember that night looking around at the team and saying, Lord, am I responsible for this? I mean, here we are in this foreign country. Many of them have young families, including myself. At that time, I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. Jesus showed me that this is where I'm supposed to be. And it was at that time that I walked back by myself, and I took my Bible, and I opened my Bible. And this is not necessarily proper theology. Uh, John Wesley would do this at times. But that night, I, I just said a prayer, and I opened my Bible And it fell open to these words that I've noticed have been floating around on Facebook a lot. It fell open to Psalm 91.1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. He will not, or you will not fear of the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You know, that night, I thank the Lord for what he had shown me. Ten days later, it was incredible, the the miracles, signs, and wonders that I began to see through the correct lens. My faith would be strengthened. It's an incredible thing, the opportunity we have in this short thing we call life, church, to follow Jesus, to know that he's at hand, that not only is he within us, but he's with us. He sees and he goes through and he gives us strength and power for the day. He gives us direction for the day. Some of you may not know your direction today. You may be asking, is, is God real? Am I a non-believer? Am I a nominal believer? Or maybe even we as believers at times, our faith is so challenged, we may wonder. Look, David reminds us, without vision, the people perish. I'm sorry, that's Solomon. Reminds us without vision, the people perish. Proverbs 22. And, and what happens here, what happens here is if we're not careful, our vision will become our own. And what gets our attention gets our direction and ultimately can get our destination. So if you want to know if God is real, if he has a plan and a purpose for your life, just know that the spirit, his spirit is with us to identify with our spirit so that we will have direction and we will have purpose for this life and the life to come, to see his kingdom come to this earth. You know, that night that God revealed Psalm 91 to me, as I read through Psalm 91 several times, I slept good. I said a prayer and I went to bed and said, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is my true north to walk hand in hand with Jesus. That's where the abundant life truly is. You see, the Spirit allows us to know that we're not alone, that He hears our cries, 
that he knows the hearts of his people. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is always with us, church. So he wants us to call upon his name, to rest in his shelter. So today, maybe you're ready to take your first step to believing, beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you to do that because that's his spirit identifying with yours. And he's saying, come home, my child. I don't want you out there as an orphan. I want you to hear the voice of your father so that you know the direction that I want you to go on in this life, the purpose that I have for you, the plans that I have for you. If that's you, just yield and ask him to place the right lens on you that you can see life through his lens where you will see his mighty works go before you. Allow Jesus to work in your life if you're a nominal believer. Let me say this to you, church. There is truly a danger in us doing church over the screen of our TVs or our computers. And here's the danger that we would think church is, is anytime we want to just walk in in our underwear and sit on the couch and watch it. Well, that has very little purpose in making Jesus our Lord. We should want to get up and be led by His Spirit. Sunday, the day of our Lord, the Lord's day, to get up and rejoice, to watch with passion and compassion so that we could see through God's lens. We don't want to become lazy in our faith. It could be dangerous, no doubt, doing church the way we're doing, or it could be one of the most incredible things and times of of movements of God's Spirit throughout the world going into every household. But, but men and women of God, make sure that we don't take this season for granted or take it lightly. Look, I need to know sometimes that God is at hand. And maybe you need to know that He's imminent, He's at hand. Well, let's say that prayer today. Would you pray with me?